0: Welcome back to Goodnight Harlem. This is episode 70 of our podcast, and you have your host, Law and Avia. Or as sometimes she goes by, Avi Gatz. Today, we oh. are covering.
1: That's what we're doing today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> today, we are covering two, two things that will turn into a, a trifecta of topics. And those two things are reality or disrespect. And essentially, we juxtapose those two things because each topic that we cover will have to like determine whether or not it's just the reality of the situation or if the situation in itself is just disrespectful. So let's define what reality means and then define what disrespect means. Reality being, The world or state of things as they actually exist, as opposed to an idealistic or notional idea of them. Now, I think we can all understand exactly what reality means. It's that existence that we all have. But then on the flip side, disrespect is just legit the lack of respect or courtesy. Can those two things also exist in the same prism? Absolutely. But I hope that we're able to uncover the reality of each one of these situations that we're Mm going to end up talking about. Now, there's been a host of things that have happened across Black Twitter for the past couple of weeks. And I think what we want to do is use this as a realistic output in view of what's been going on. So one of the topics we want to cover is what happened with Russell Westbrook the other night versus the 76ers fan and then the next one we want to cover is the joe budden podcast versus everything essentially and then we want to talk about everything that's been happening with kwame brown so let's start with russell westbrook versus the 76er fan now for those of you who may have missed what happened there russell wilson i mean russell westbrook had just, <laughs> had just entered himself he enters his ankle and he has to be carried back into the locker room so as he's walking back into the locker room one of the fans in the stands in philadelphia pours popcorn through through a net that's over the area the hallway in which you're supposed to be exiting and it hits russ over the head and it hits the security over the head and let me just tell you russ finds all of the aggression and energy and is ready to pounce now this story goes super od viral but here in lies where we talk about the difference between reality and disrespect so avi i want to bring this to you in a, in a different way and formulate this in a different way than just laying out the scenario essentially there's a reality of being an nba player and being a fan in the stands where a fan in the stands can get away with a little bit more jawing talking and quote disrespect than a player could if he was to do any of that back the player has to represent the entire league whereas the fan only represents themselves So is it fair to say, technically, this is the reality of Russell Westbrook's job to have to deal with some of what comes with this? Because I know you heard his comments after the game, Mm -hmm. but I want to understand where your head is with this.
1: Uh, I think what the fan did was disrespect. And I think that what Russell said, which was that fan knows damn well if we were on the street this isn't something that a normal person would just come up and do to me because they know that there could possibly be repercussions, right?
0: But in fairness, Russell's not a regular person though.
1: I'm saying he was saying if he was just yeah, out, but I'm, saying, but I'm saying he's not a regular person. But he's a person. He's a person. He's a person. Okay. So I would never say that yes, these fan, these these players get paid an insane amount of money to do their jobs. I will always think that. I will never not think that. But I will not also say, well, because they're getting paid so much, they should just take it on the chin when stuff like this happens. Oh, well, what's the big deal? This is a very um, emotional game. Playoffs, he just got, got, (laughs) he just got injured. Yeah. So uh, imagine you are the star talent on your team. People are expecting you to perform. They're expecting you to excel and, and carry the team to the next no level. No doubt. And you're in the beginning stages of these the, the playoff series and you get injured. And I don't know how long he's going to be injured for or how long he's going to be out for.
0: Okay. All that's fair. The only thing that I'm saying to you, though, is – there is a reality of fans being able in the stands to say things to people all the time. To and when I say people, I mean the stars that are on the floor, whether or not you're on the floor or on a field for that matter. If it was football, they get to they get to talk all the time. Not only do they get to, but
1: talk, this fan was even talking shit.
0: But they they also do throw things sometimes. Have you ever been to a UFC fight? They literally throw bottles out there. I don't agree with that. I'm saying I don't agree with
1: with people being able to do that. You could say what you want to, and I know that there's been brawls from fans just saying what they want to. Uh-huh. And I think at that point, you know, the player just needs to just ha- be the bigger person, just really actually just take it on the chin because it's like words. So words. When, it's words when someone's projectiling, so projectiling something on you, though.
0: so when now, it's in this
1: case... In this case, it was popcorn. So some may say, oh, come on. That is on
0: Twitter. That is. Like, I was going to get there. You-
1: we don't know what these basketball players go through when it comes to these fans.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: think, uh, you know, after a season of, of playing in the bubble where they didn't have to deal with all this, it's just a rude awakening to come back and this is what happens. And so I think in, in his defense, it's like, hey, we're here. We're here to put on a show because that's what they, they're there to entertain, but they're there to entertain with their athletic skill. And to be disrespected in that way, it's just uncalled for. It's unnecessary. Personally, that's just how I feel. Like, it's just unnecessary. So for, you, for you,
0: it's disrespect. It's not reality. It is disrespect. Because what you're basically saying is, in reality, if they were just outside, you getting it.
1: It's disrespect. But the reality is the fan has now been banned from games for the rest of his life and he lost his job and he's been receiving death threats
0: job stuff.
1: This is what TMZ is reporting. Oh, wow. They're reporting that this person got kicked out of this pilot training program and he lost his job and he's been receiving death threats because of this whole popcorn ordeal. Now I don't agree with that being the punishment. The punishment does not fit the crime to me.
0: Do you so we always talk about cancel culture. Like that's real cancel culture.
1: What canceling the fan that, that now threw he, the popcorn,
0: you got canceled.
1: And, but you know, it's like, this is the thing though. It's like people do all these things to these famous people because they know that the the famous person has more of an onus more to, to, more to have move. a big, to be the bigger person. To me, that's the same as, um, Women taking advantage of the fact that if they put physical force on their boyfriend, they know that their boyfriend has the onus to be the bigger person and not retaliate. You know what I'm saying? Does that mean it's okay? No, it's not okay. So it's like when you, when you see that there's a power struggle, don't take advantage and abuse the power that you have as a fan. Because yeah. unfortunately, I- because this became a whole big ordeal, this person has now lost their job.
0: I would say and- how I how I feel about it versus how you feel about it I I also view it as it is both disrespect and reality so mm-hmm. but the reality portion of it is where I can't I can't not focus on that reality so we do give fans a little bit more autonomy to just do like whatever mm-hmm. it is they want to do and a part of that is because, essentially, if there's no fans, there is no players. And where is that line? Do Does anybody, does any of us know where that line stops and begins? And I guess that where it stops and begins is when there is any form of physicality. Period. And I think what we were supposed to learn from what took place on November 19th in 2004, which was the Pistons versus Pacers, Malice in the Palace with Metal World Peace, AKA Ron Artest, Steven Jackson, and a host of others, when they went into the stands and start beating the crap out of some fans, is you, you, there's only so much before somebody reacts. And I would say that reaction is due to not only physical, but verbal. And when we put those lines in the ground in the sand, I just want people to start to think about what it means to have a lack of respect or not show courtesy to somebody and what that does to them mentally as a person, not as them being a star, but what that does to them as a person, because I do, I do get Russ's point in saying, if we were out on the street, would you pour popcorn on my head? Cause I don't think you would. And I agree with that. But if we were out on the street and I did that, is, is the reality is, are you going to actually react? Because I'm going to get paid if you react. Seriously. I,
1: I agree with you. And I have to actually take back what I said. I realized that the the outcome of what happened in, in this uh, popcorn incident isn't from this incident. It's from an, a different incident that happened with Russell Westbrook and the fan two years ago. And the article that I was reading actually reported on that as well. So it's like, that's, that that goes even more to say that these fans are unruly sometimes and we don't see we don't see the full picture we see what's been reported we don't we don't hear the commentary we don't hear all the things that people go through in this position so it's kind of hard for us looking on the out, way outside in to say oh you should act this way or oh, you should be like this yeah. i i do i do think that they they need to have a certain level of of composure I do agree, but this is an emotional game. This is not like, you're not watching, I don't know. I don't know, you're not watching a Broadway play. <laughs> like you're watching someone exert Fair. their physical and emotional talent into something that takes a lot of effort and, and, and just like a lot out of you emotionally and mentally. And so that kind of plays with your mind, you know. So yeah.
0: and and I and let and this is going to lead us to like a transition to the Joe Biden stuff, because when we think about people kind of playing with people's minds and etc., this gets into this conversation around business, friendship, and then again, what's the reality versus the disrespect within a business versus friendship relationship, and. The Joe Biden podcast, there is a few things at play. One, he has two co-hosts with him, Rory and Mall, both of which no, are,
1: Rory and
0: Both <laughs> of which are like not necessarily even just friends of his, but people he's known for a while. And they have a very good rapport on the podcast. It sounds great, etc. And then Joe also owns a podcast network in which he's hired several different people to, you know, run podcasts on his network, one of them being Olivia Dope for See The Thing Is podcast. And I want to just explore those relationships and what has transpired over the past couple of weeks. And if that is a reality versus disrespect thing. So the first part of that is the Joe Budden podcast with Rory and Maul. Now, I know some of you may or may not have been tracking or following this, but as of right now, Rory and Maul are no longer on the show. That's one of the biggest podcasts, period. And I want to hear from you if you can give them the insight into what took place. And I'll interject where necessary, but I want to hear where, what you think transpired. And then, of course, like I said, I'll interject. But then I want us to get into the, what was the reality there versus the disrespect?
1: Right. So um, basically, from what from what I understand... There was some discrepancy around the payment that Rory and Mal were supposed to be getting from these podcasts that they were doing, and I want to say it kind of started with the whole Spotify deal coming to a close. Um, you know, they had a, a financial company that they were working with that was looking into their finances and at some point towards the end of 2019 right before the pandemic there was this 400k discrepancy that came up and mind you you know everyone when it came to this whole and Mall thing asking about wanting to see the financial statements and everything like that what they were bringing in as a podcast it's only because they were profit partners so everything that Roy and Mall w- were making on the Joe Budden podcast was based off of the profit they are bringing in. So if you're if you are owed a percentage of the profit that you're bringing in, of course you're going to be checking to see how much profit are we bringing in, so that I can make sure I am getting my my due payment. Um, so at this point where there is this 400 400k discrepancy, you know, Rory had stepped to Joe and said like, hey, you know, this is just something that I noticed, but I'm not really trusting the 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 management company, the, the, the financial management company that's helping us out here. Because when I reached out to them saying that this was an issue, they noticed that it was a mistake and they said that they would fix it. And at some point, Joe, who seems to be very, based off of what Roy and Mal were saying, seemed to be very, uh, just like on edge whenever they brought up finances, whenever they brought up the business dealings of the podcast, basically threatened them, well, audit me then, you know, fine, just audit me. And, you know, that's not where they were trying to go with the conversation. They were just trying to make sure that everything was buttoned up. And after the Spotify, what's that?
0: No pun intended.
1: (laughs) Right, buttoned up. Okay. So, So, you know, after their Spotify deal ended, you know, um, last year, you know, Joe goes into, you know, his whole YouTube thing and being independent. And I just think that things were not the same after that. At some point, they were talking about business dealings within the podcast and Maul had questions and Joe basically told him, like, it's none of your business. You know, this podcast is none of your business. Um, Spotify wanted to re-sign them. Joe was not for it, and Roy and Maul were not included into the discussion of this whole Spotify renegotiation. They were left out of everything completely. So I feel like they were kind of left in the dark about that. Um, They get on YouTube. I don't really know the trickle down to their demise at this point. I feel like there's tension from what happened in the tail end of 2019, And there was conversations behind the scenes. And I think it was really at that point where Joe told Ma, this is none of your business, that they just felt a certain way. And at some point, they had a disagreement. Joe told them, don't come back to the podcast for the next couple of days. And the next thing you know, you see Joe on his podcast with Ice and Ish, two brand new people
0: did you did you not hear Joe's episode where he went in and he did a whole three hours on this whole thing? Because it sounds like you listened to what Rory and Maul said and you didn't hear. Joe. I
1: listened to uh, I listened to a bit of what Joe said, um, but I'm learning to take everything that he said with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did watch this hot 97 interview where Rosenberg actually spoke to someone who's involved with the Joe Budden podcast. We don't know who it is who basically said that in that episode, Joe pretty much kind of lied <laughs> about a lot of things and exaggerated a lot of things to make him seem a certain way. So if you want to go over what he said in that episode, that would be great because I don't know what to take from it as truth or lie.
0: Okay, so I'll make mine way more simple than that because I feel like that's, that's, that's complicated to say the least. I think with Joe, he was very clear about their business dealings, and how, one, a lot of the angst in his mind started with the idea that Spotify didn't really care about him having co-hosts. They're like, who owns the show? Do you own the show? Do they own the show? I only want to talk to the owner. I don't give a fuck about anybody else. And then if you are the person that owns the show, let me just be honest with you, uh, you're going to be the person that's on all signage, et cetera. And when we're in a room in a meeting, you're the person we're talking to about negotiating this stuff. We don't need to be talking to anybody else. And if that's your starting point in the conversation and Rory and Maul don't necessarily understand that or feel as if that means anything, they're just like, hey, well, we are still just as impactful to the show. We are just as important then it changes the dynamic a little bit if you get what I'm saying. It's like, if you always feel like you're in the background and you're not really a big as big a part of the show as you should be, then you're never gonna truly feel like somebody's being transparent with you. If even the, the, the people you're signing to don't care about your role as much. Okay, so make that a starting point. But the second part of it is when Rory and Maul are coming to him to talk about, let's say that 400K that you're saying. They had came to him to talk about numerous business dealings. And what Joe has said is, you guys signed a contract. You knew what the contract said. You knew what percentages you would get. In fact, you're getting paid more than anybody else in your same slot. You're getting paid more than anybody who is a part of the podcast landscape that is doing anything near you. And yet, you're still not happy. And you're questioning whether or not I'm making more money than I should be, or whether or not you're getting paid appropriately. And so Joe's biggest thing was, you gotta stop questioning this shit. You gotta either let it go and get past it, or this relationship isn't gonna work. And that was interesting, because the next thing that Rory and Maul had to like, basically deal with is Rory saying, well, we wanna get a percentage of what's happening on YouTube. And he's like, no, this is my YouTube channel. He's like, you create your own YouTube channel. Rory and Ma are like, okay, but no. And so in that instance, that's when that becomes also difficult because he's like, I'm gonna, I can give you the videos. You can put them up on your own channel and then you can monetize yourself and use your own platform. And they didn't necessarily do that. It felt very much like 50 cent when he was trying to give the game to Buck, Lloyd Banks, and the game, and none of them wanted it because his whole point is there's a level of work and business acumen that you have to put in into this to be the owner and run this. We cannot have this be 50-50 because you're not doing any of the operational work. You don't have to pay any of the staff in the background. I do. So because of that, it can never be 100% 50-50 split on anything. And I have to own all these channels and curate all the content and pay this and do all that. So unless you have to do any of that work, I can never, ever, ever agree to you guys getting the same amount of splits and all this stuff that you're asking for. And I think that is fundamentally just business 101. I'm not saying I agree with Joe. I'm just laying out the premise of what he said. And that's what makes all this stuff difficult.
1: I will say that um, I do remember him saying that, you know, as he was going through the financials, he was getting angrier and angrier and angrier because of all the things that you said that he had done for them on this show.
0: Um, So
1: I do feel like there was a sense of resentment that Joe had for them.
0: Because in his mind, they have a sense of entitlement. And so then that gets in their mind. He has a sense of entitlement. But that gets into the conversation of reality versus disrespect. What is the reality in this? What is the disrespect in this? What say you can can it be that the reality is in terms of business, you don't actually have to cover anything in relation to operations. You don't have to do any of the heavy lifting. So you shouldn't be getting paid on the same way, which is how most employees are paid. And essentially he's viewing them as employees from a business standpoint, not as his friends. And that's, what's tough about mixing business with personal relationships. I think that's a reality of their situation. Do I think it's disrespectful in the which way he handled his friends? Yes. But do I think it's also the reality of how business works? Yes. What about you?
1: I think that the reality is what's led to the disrespect in this situation. The reality is that Joe never saw them as Equals. And Rory and Mal seemed to think that they all were. The reality is, Joe saw them as employees. And Rory and Mal saw themselves as partners. Those are two very different things. Mm-hmm. If I'm an employee, I am reporting to you. If you are my partner, vice versa, we report to each other. And so after 400 plus episodes and multiple streaming platforms that that they have been on, if they have not figured out who they are to each other in this relationship, that is the reality. The disrespect comes in Because I do believe that Joe purposely created a tension between them when talking about business to the point between Between. him and Rory and Ma.
0: Okay, continue.
1: So when I say that, Joe is very, he is very manipulative. See, the fact that you even knew. The fact that you even knew what I was going to say. Come on. Further emphasizes He has a very manipulative nature about him. I have seen this with him talking to Tahiri on Love and Hip Hop Mm -hmm. over 10 years ago. I've seen this in the way that he carries out his personal relationships. Mm -hmm. I've seen this with the way that he has spoken about people on his podcast. I've seen this with the way that he has treated Scotty Beam on State of the Culture. The way that he puts his words together, he is almost a genius at it. And it 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 makes sense. He started off as a rapper. Rappers are good at putting their words together. Mm. He's very good at storytelling and creating a story that fits a narrative that benefits him. Right. So I say all that to say, in dealing with this friendship, wannabe partnership slash working situation, if what Rory and Mal is saying is true, where anytime they try to do things in a in a in a official like you know we're gonna make this an official like working relationship type of way and this is what we would do if we weren't friends if they really tried to like dot all their i's and cross all their t's with joe and every time they did that with joe they were met with hesitation or angst or tension as a friend i can see how that would naturally make them be like okay he, he he got us I'm just gonna put my trust in him I don't want to cause any tension we are friends we do want to we all have the same goal all right I'm just gonna let him do his thing and hopefully we all flourish
0: let me ask you this did Joe button have a podcast without Rory and Maul together?
1: I mean obviously he did because he did episodes without them
0: no I'm saying before. At the very beginning of his podcast before he name he named it was named I'll name this thing later or something like that.
1: Right. So, yeah.
0: Okay. Well, what's your point? So he has a podcast, they're not on it. He released I mean it's called the Joe Button podcast he at this point. The girl from the podcast, right? Marissa Mendez, yep. Mm-hmm. It's still Joe's podcast. He's not going into this podcast as if it's you and I. Like with you and I, we know we're a partnership. Like I'm not doing this without you. There is oh, no, no, no good night Harlem if I'm not doing it. You're not, not going to replace me with Ish and ice. <laughs> no, but, but, but that's my larger point. We have no show if it's not us together. He never came into it that way. He came oh, into of course. It, I'm, I'm going to go create a platform and I will try to put people around me that make the platform interesting. And that creates that employee relationship. That's not necessarily what these people think that they're into, but that's what they're absolutely into.
1: When Latoya and Latavia left Destiny's Child, was there still a Destiny's Child? Or did Destiny's Child disappear? I mean, I'm just saying, Ice and Ish are the Michelle Williams of the Joe Budden podcast. Who's Joe Budden? Beyonce and Kelly. And so it's just like, I, I think I think the, the the I mean, there's so many problems in their situation, but I think that the friendship part of this issue is what led Rory and Mall to not do what they felt was right in their gut to do by handling this in a typical business type fashion, and unfortunately, that led to the demise of this whole financial thing, Joe's resentment, and them feeling like, hey, we all did this together. When Joe, like you said, never saw it like that. And when he brought Ish it, and ice, an ice, an ice on, it was, that was sending so many messages. So him doing that alone was, was sending so many messages.
0: But so for you, I just want to be clear. Is it disrespect or is it reality? Because I don't feel like I have a clear answer from the you. The
1: reality is this whole situation is disrespectful. It just is, because like you said, Joe saw it a certain way. And I feel like from what I'm hearing from both sides is that Joe saw a certain way and made it seem like he didn't see it that way when he was talking to his friends. I feel like what he said to his friends and what he said to himself were two different things. It didn't all come out that this is the way that he felt up until the last few months. Once he told Mal, this is none of your business, that told him everything that he needed to know about Joe's attitude towards this business venture that they were doing together. Mm -hmm. The the, The other reality to this is, unfortunately, as much as Mal and Rory say that this is not about money, this is not about money, this is not about money. It is. It is. Hello? There's no other way that you guys would not be on this podcast as we speak if it wasn't about money. And Maul, as much as I appreciate them and what they've done and them sticking to their guns, Maul saying, oh, I got it like that. It's never about money and da-da-da-da. It is about money. That's the reason why you guys wouldn't sign up for a salary. That's the reason why you guys aren't on the podcast to this day, because you don't trust your ex-friend with the money that was coming in. That is point blank, period. That's the reality.
0: They would say it's about trust and disrespect, even though- It's about
1: that as well.
0: Underlying, it's still about money. Um, But let's let's transition to the other part of this, which is the Olivia dope situation that happened on see the thing is, and I really want to get your take there because you are the woman on this podcast, no getting around that right. And so with you being the woman and you hearing, I don't know if you actually heard the whole full snippet of what happened with her and Joe, but if you did hear it, I want to hear your thoughts on that. And did you view it as the reality of potting with somebody like joe who's sarcastic and just goes off the room doesn't take things seriously and bs's or is it just blatant disrespect when you clearly aren't reading the room and a woman's in there and she's feeling blatantly disrespected
1: so for anyone who doesn't know about the um see the thing is podcast it's a podcast on joe button's network on youtube Um, and it consists of Mandy B, who's from the Horrible Decisions podcast, Bridget Kelly, who everyone knows is a recording artist, and Olivia Dope, who is a DJ. Um, I honestly can tell you I've never seen an episode of this podcast until this scandal came out. (laughs) Um, But basically, it came out a week or so ago. Olivia Dope came out, and she said the particular episode that came out The last episode that we saw her on, I believe, is one that Joe decided to be on, and he decided to be a guest and insert himself into the episode. And on this episode, she talks about specific time codes and time marks where Joe had said certain things in response to what was happening in the conversation, ranging from saying that he wanted to have sex with her and... Uh, talking about how low her shirt was and when he gave her a hug, you know, like moving around, he gave her a hug in like a sexual way and just making all these sexual innuendos. And she talks about specific time codes because she also mentions how they were edited out. And so when you watch the episode, there's parts that you can see that she's talking about because they weren't edited out. And there's parts that you can't see because they were edited out. Now, when you watch the episode, She's not lying. I actually watched the episode on those specific time codes and saw there was a jump in the scene. And it's like, okay, clearly they took something out. Um, But basically Joe's actions on that episode and the way that he kind of threw himself at her in a sexual way made her uncomfortable. And she felt the need to leave the podcast for good. She has a daughter, and she was worried about, you know, how her daughter would view how she handled that situation and wanted to set a good example. And she didn't feel like she wanted to put herself in a position where she was uncomfortable. And so she quit the podcast. Um, The reality of the situation is when it comes to uh, sexual harassment, you don't know what's going to make someone uncomfortable. That's the reality of the situation. And that's the unfortunate part of the situation. Um, I feel like Joe has a very playful nature about him in general. I feel like he probably has a super hyper um, casual company culture about him. You could see it by the way that he handles his friends and their business dealings. And that is not me um, condoning what he did. I think that sexual harassment has been so normalized in the workplace, half the times we don't even know what it is, really. And if we did know what it was, I don't think it would happen as much as it does. And so I just saw a lot of backlash from people um, towards her in regards to saying, oh, what he did wasn't even that bad. And oh, she was making a big deal. And oh, she just wants to, you know, cry out for attention and why is she coming out now since she quit the podcast months ago and you know all this victim shaming and blaming but I just think that when it comes to sexual harassment the reality is you don't know what's what makes someone uncomfortable people were talking about the way that she reacted to it from what they saw in the video and she knows that she's been being videotaped So that can affect a lot of things on how you react to something when you're in the moment. Sometimes things happen to you and the way that you would want to respond to it in the moment is hard to do because you're so taken aback by what's happened to you. And it sometimes takes time after that to reflect and think about it and be like, wow, that was was not cool. And so I think that's just the reality of the situation. The disrespect I feel like is people coming after her for her truth that's the disrespect that I see.
0: I want to take this somewhere else because the easy angle for this, for me personally, is to just basically go directly into the fact that it's just blatant disrespect. That's easy. It is. It is just that to me is, is disrespect. I don't care how Joe tries to spend it, whatever, but I want to take this somewhere else because you've covered that well enough. I want to draw the parallels between, what we're seeing happen across Joe Button's network, what happened with this podcast, to essentially what happens with any major corporation that has a face to it. And once you have a face to it, I don't care what you name the entity, blah blah blah. blah but once you put a face to it, then anything you do is a clear reaction to how the company is. So think about it. If we talk about Facebook, who do we think about? We think about Mark Zuckerberg. Anything Mark Zuckerberg does is a clear reaction and a reflection of Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, et cetera, down the line. If we talk about Amazon, anything that happens with the workers, we automatically put Jeff, that on Jeff Bezos. But if I brought up Google, tell me, who do you think about when I bring up Google? Anybody? He you bring up a name? Even one? No? That's the point. So when you, when you make your company, a faceless entity, then it, there's a lot less scrutiny that comes with decisions that are made and behaviors that are, it just becomes, that's that person's issue. And because Joe not only put his name on the podcast, he put his name on the podcast network. He is essentially the brand. Everything that happens is on Joe. So he has to behave in a certain way that he would normally want to behave. And I think his brand is, quote, authenticity, but that authenticity can also ruin you in this kind of climate. And he's not being mindful of that. He's just not being mindful of that. And you can't be in a business, you can't own these networks and do what you're doing and try to build these big brands and not understand that there's repercussions for your actions at every single level, especially when you're the face.
1: Didn't it supposedly Cash App drop him as a sponsor?
0: I don't know about that.
1: I think that's like an alleged thing, but they were like a huge sponsor of, um, you know, all his work on YouTube recently. I, I think that's an interesting point. I, but I also think I also think that Joe doesn't care. He I just doesn't. I don't even think that he's not even thinking to himself that he's thinking to himself. Oh, I need to be more mindful. Well, well, I think thing. he's just like whatever. I'm gonna have my fan base, whether it's Ice, Ish, Olivia, Dope. Nobody is going to stop this one man train.
0: Here's why nobody. I think, that. think about all those people I've already brought up that are CEOs, really talented, etc. Mm-hmm. One of those people. You think they really, truly care about your opinion of them? No, they're still getting paid. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. They're going to continue doing what they're doing. So he's the same entity as them. They just have billions and he has millions. And he just so happens to be Black. And so there's going to be even culturally even more standards and layers put on him to maintain and behave himself in a way that uplifts the culture instead of diminishes it
1: well i think there's certain people in media where they act a certain way and they do it so much that it it becomes expected of them when you think of 50 cent you think of the way he acts you expect 50 cent to act like a troll you expect gilbert arenas to act like a troll yeah so when we hear joe budden we expect joe budden to say and do whatever he wants without thinking about repercussions because I think in his mind, there won't be any. This is his. And I think that's why he brags so much about owning, owning, owning because he can do whatever he wants. And he doesn't have to answer to anyone because everyone has to answer to him. So in his mind, if you don't like the way I just talked to you right now, bye. Guess what? I still got my thing going on. And if your thing is not going on because you left, guess what? I still got my thing going on. My thing is the thing that started your thing.
0: And, and, and I'm going to say something, and I'm not defending Joe. I'm not defending any of his positions or how he thinks or anything of that nature. But if I think about what Joe Rogan is doing, just opposed to what Joe Budden is doing, Joe Rogan has. Case of the Joes. Have had guests on has said things that are just wildly inappropriate and not okay. And everything. And in between he's doubled down on saying the N word numerous amounts of times, Joe Rogan, that is. So at the point that he doesn't care about that or what's going to, what's going to come of him saying those things. And he still got a hundred million dollars from Spotify. That is the complete difference from being, that's
1: a reward. It,
0: it doesn't matter. So if you can be successful doing that, then he should, then if I'm him and by him, if I'm Joe Biden, I'm like, well, I can do what I want.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: So, yeah. Anyway, I want to transition over to the Kwame Brown stuff. And this is where we're going to end the pod to just talk about the Kwame Brown stuff, because there's a lot of layers to the Kwame Brown stuff. And let, let's, let's bring you in and rope you in on who Kwame Brown is and why this is still being talked about and why this is such a big deal. So Kwame Brown was the number one overall pick in 2001 in the 2001 NBA draft and he's he was a six foot 11 guy and he was going to be the next best thing and he went to go to the Washington was to, to play alongside Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan's, uh, you know, latter years, it. It, and, and for those kids who are listening to us, it's, you know, post the last dance. Cause that's the stuff they didn't show you in the last dance where he went on to have a further career and he was absolutely- And he was losing. Losing <laughs> a lot. You're still Michael Jordan,
1: he was just losing. They didn't show the low lights.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> Kwame Brown was happy to have gone to that team, but what happens thereafter is a very tragic story in terms of how his career ends up netting out In terms of how people view him but there was heavy expectations placed on the head of an 18 year old kid now we all talk about lebron james all the time people call him one of the greatest players of all time and etc but there's only so many people that can be a lebron or kobe at 18 that come into an nba league full of men and hold themselves a certain way and have a certain level of maturity about them And I think it's hard when you put that expectation on a 17 or 18 year old and expect them to act like one of those people that I just brought up who are considered the best of all time. Because there's other players that came in that were also that age and just never lived up to the hype Kwame happens to be one of those people that just never lived up to the hype now. Kwame decided to finally respond to something after 20 years of being ridiculed about him being a bust, him being a bum. He's been called all these names by all of these analysts and pundits all this time. And the name calling is just brutal. But I brought him up to talk about how it, all it took was for on the, all the smoke podcast for Steven Jackson and (laughs) been bringing on um Gilbert Arenas to talk and what was said during that was still a little bit of a jab at Kwame's career where they just kind of pointed out he still wasn't that guy and Kwame was really upset and went in via YouTube video which Jen blew his account up people were like, started to view things way differently. They basically were like, yo, they have been bullying him for a while and they've been silencing him and he's coming at it from a different angle. He's coming at it from the angle of first I'm a man before I'm a basketball player. So treat me with respect when you talk about me as a man. But then secondly, outside of me being a man, you guys gotta stop. There's been 20 years. Why are you still ragging on me? And for me to be called a bum, a bust, and anything in between, how could I have a 13, well, 12 to 13 year career if I was that bad? And if I'm that bad, I am one of the few players that made it into the NBA, which the NBA doesn't have more than 500 roster spots and everybody all over the world wants to be in that league. So if I made it, if I'm one of the top 500, how are you calling me these names? And... He's just been going at everybody. He's going at Stephen A. Smith for some of the comments he made in the past. Get Bayless, what he's made in the past, and some of what he made now. And he even took to jab at both Charlamagne the God and Jamel Hill and I Angela wanna, Yee and DJ Envy. I want <laughs> all of
1: Breakfast a, Club
0: <laughs> all this stuff because I think it's really interesting. So I want to throw this to you: Is it? just the reality and the expectations that come with being the number one pick, or is it disrespect if it drags out that long and you're calling him outside of his name? What say you? Um,
1: I think, I think, I think there was a way that Gilbert arenas could have had that conversation without Kwame feeling attacked. Uh, Once he started calling him a man child and talking about the size of his hands and talking about how he was like a show pony or whatever, like he was definitely coming at him in a certain way. And it sounded like he was going to talk about him in a way that was like a psychological way, like, okay, so you guys can understand where his mindset was, but he just ended up trashing him. Um, I think that's where the disrespect came in personally uh now to say if he was a good player or not that is a reality was he a good player
0: he, disrespect. so you, do, you actually do view this as disrespect
1: i view the way gilbert gilbert arenas spoke about him as disrespect and stephen jackson was trying to egg gilbert on because he knows gilbert's a troll stephen stephen was egging him on a little bit um, and I think that Matt Barnes just kind of like got swept into the flurry of things. He didn't really try and say or do too much. He well, he was. He call-
0: He's been calling Matt Barnes, Becky, with the good hair. But I
1: know he. L- listen, the, the podcast is called All the Smoke. I don't think Matt really wanted any of the smoke. He was trying to just lay back. That's the reality. Right. But the the the, rea- the also the reality was Gilbert was talking about him in a way that was disrespectful. Now, do I think that Gilbert deserved the amount of punishment that he's getting and everyone on that podcast deserved the amount of punishment that they're getting from uh, Kwame at this point? Because the way that Kwame is coming at them is super hard. And it's in a comical way where it's just like, man, I can't even hate on what you're saying because it's just funny. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that Kwame is a cicada. This dude has been talked about for two decades. And he has been hibernating wherever he lives, letting people talk about him here and there. He has, I, I don't even remember the last time I heard him talk in my whole entire life, honestly. I haven't paid much attention to him, but I'm like, wow, okay. Didn't know this is the way you sounded. Um this has been going on for a long time. This has been a long time coming. So when we see him put out these daily videos coming at some new person, Stephen A. Smith, Jamel Hill, Angela E. whatever, Kwame has the time now. He has the time. And he wants all the smoke. And so do I think that Kwame is being disrespectful? Not at all. I think that this is free range at this point. I think that if you are going to talk about someone in a disrespectful way, then that person should be allowed to at least defend
0: themselves. All right. All right. I That's got it. it. So you 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 view this all as disrespect.
1: I don't know. I don't view all of it as disrespect. I don't feel like what Kwame is doing is is being disrespectful. Yes, he is. I don't feel like he is. Yes, He is. I don't Now, I will say the profanity is the dis- disrespectful part. But I feel like at this point, the only issue that I have is that I.
0: Wait, 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 is it disrespectful to say you'll beat somebody's ass?
1: He's not going to beat somebody's ass.
0: No, no, no. Is it disrespectful to say that? That's the question.
1: Yeah, but it's more disrespectful to do it.
0: Okay. So, so he's disrespecting. Okay. Next. In terms of disrespect, what he said about Jamel Hill. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Jamel Hill said she posted literally violence as in you click a button and it's violence on, which is a meme, Mm -hmm. you chose violence. And he took that as if she was saying he's a violent person. Literally, if you don't understand the colloquialism, if you don't understand the analogy, just say that. Don't go out there calling her out of her name or telling her- He called her ma'am. Telling her that she's a coon. He called her- White people- Oh, he called he her
1: Miss Hill. He said, ma'am, So he stay called- out of men's business.
0: And what are we doing? What are we doing?
1: I don't think he knew that he didn't
0: understand what she was posting. And this is my problem. There, therein lies a the disrespect. If you're calling her a coon, if you're saying that she just follows through with what white men say and she's just another pawn, duh, 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 you're calling her these things and you're saying it. She's the same person that stood up when the Colin Kaepernick stuff was at its most polarizing and lost her job. She's the same person that flat out called Donald Trump a racist on air. I mean, I don't know what you're watching, bro. I don't know what you're seeing. Oh me? No, I'm talking about him. Oh,
1: <laughs> I don't think he's, I don't, that's the thing. The, only, disre- the only disrespectful thing that I see in, in, in this whole scenario when it comes to him is that because he has been quiet for so long, this dude is a volcano and he is now erupting. And so in in the process of that happening, people are getting smoke that shouldn't be getting smoke. It's almost like if anyone, shoot, if he knew who I was, he'd probably be saying something about me too. But But it's almost like if anyone has anything negative to say at this point, they've already awoken a beast. And now it's like, you get a lashing, you get a lashing, you get a lashing, you get a lashing. So I, that's the only problem that I have in this situation is that in, Jamel, in Jamel's case, she wasn't even doing anything wrong, like you said, but she got a lashing. But I think that when you take what Charlemagne said about him and Charlemagne paints him in this way that could be seen as, oh, he's a, he, could, he could possibly be violent. And then he sees what Jamel posts, I think in his mind, he's in a, he's in a theory already. It it goes back to, it goes back to Russell Westbrook, the emotion. He just played a game. He just got injured. It's playoffs. The last thing that you want is for someone to dump some popcorn over your head, you know? So it's, it's, there's all these things that are opening up emotion. And I'm not saying everything is right. All I'm saying is I can understand it when I look at the full picture. I can understand why things are happening when I look at the full picture. He doesn't want to be a violent person. So when he saw that, he probably Um, got triggered and he read it the wrong way.
0: I don't need you to actually defend him in this. Like you've made your point of where you feel this. I'm I'm
1: letting the people know.
0: I'm just trying to just vocalize mine in this because I feel like you're defending him right now and it is hilarious. Because
1: you kept asking me questions. It's
0: rhetorical. It's rhetorical. So I said all that to say, Kwame to me is not living in reality. He's only viewing this thing from the prism of it all being disrespect. And somebody calling you a bum on the court, somebody calling you trash on the court and somebody blah, blah. One, you have to view that through the prism of the other basketball players you're playing around. And if you don't view it that way, that's fine too. And I can understand why you would wanna take that personally. I can also understand why if every, every time somebody sees me, they're like, you're trash, you're bad, you're blah, 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 blah at your job, even though they can't do your job, that can be hurtful. I understand all of that. I'm not saying that he shouldn't feel emotion from it. I'm not saying that that's right. But what I am going to do is again draw another parallel. We did this, and we do this in other career paths. He was the number one pick, coming out of college, coming out of high school, coming out of high school, not college, not anywhere. Else. Think about how we used to mass produce celebrity. If you just just juxtapose what happened to Britney Spears with what's happened with Kwame. I think you would, you would even look at it and go, oh, this is just how they treat people who are young. Um, this is how they treat people who are young. And not only how they treat them, but when they put a large expectation around them, they dragged them through the mud because there's high expectations of you. I'm not saying it's right. But think about all the questions that Brittany was asked. Think about all the things that people were putting her through because she was a part of the Mickey Mouse Club. So she was supposed to be one of the chosen ones. And people have gone back now and thought like, man, the 90s did her dirty. And we can actually look back at the history of this and go, yeah, that's not how you're supposed to handle anything. And we can kind of all agree, it's not right. It shouldn't have happened that way. And it's the same kind of thing that we put against these players. When they're that young, you can't possibly know how great they're gonna be. But you're putting expectations on them to live up to something that, who knows that they can actually be. I think this has always kind of been the norm since I've, I've grown up. I'm not saying, again, not saying- What's that been the norm? That people the put,
1: disrespect against these juveniles? Because we're talking about the disrespect people, in reality. I, and I, don't you, are you saying that Britney was disrespected?
0: The standards that they're held to. And yes, Britney was absolutely disrespected multiple times over the standards that she was being held to at her age and the questions that people were asking her and the level of vitriol people gave her when she was doing something that they didn't feel like was right, all of it is valid concern. No different than the valid concern that Kwame can have with the way that they treated him as a number one pick. However, it does not change over time we still have these expectations of people that are false and there's damn near nothing we can do about that unless society really changes the way we view people we view are talented or gifted if you're talented or gifted there just happens to be expectations of you different than other people and there's all these riches and successes that come with that now if you're going to accept the riches and successes that come with it don't you kind of also got to expect the expectations that come with it too so that's you're what, saying
1: that if you're getting paid what, enough, then you should be okay with being disrespected.
0: No, I didn't say that.
1: What are you saying? Are you so are you saying that what what Kwame has gone through has not been disrespect? It's just been expected because this is part of his job. This is the way that society and, handles and
0: so, everyone. I'm I'm making the point to say when it was happening to Britney Spears, it took us years to look back at it and go, ah, this isn't right. And so how we treat celebrities now is completely different than how we treated celebrities back then. I would say when it comes down to sports athletes, if you're the number one pick, et cetera, they still treat these people all the same way. None of the talking points have changed, no nothing. So I don't know what to tell you. Until society changes the way we view these things, I cannot act as if it's right, wrong, or indifferent. It just is. So... Is and it so just, with that said, and mm-hmm. to, to answer the question around, is it disrespect or reality? It's just reality.
1: Mm. I think there's a problem in saying that that's just reality because that's almost like in a in the Olivia Dope situation, someone can easily look at her situation and be like, girl, most women have to deal with men throwing these sexual comments out in the workplace. That's just reality. And when you make something Reality, as in like, this is what happens all the time. You are now normalizing it. And you are now saying, this is real life, accept it. So to accept something as reality, when it's really disrespect, that perpetuates the disrespect. Women for so long have accepted the reality that this is a man's world, men run a lot of things, men are a lot of our bosses, men are a lot of our coworkers. And in situations where someone throws out a sexual comment to us, we shouldn't take that as any form of anything to report to HR because this happens all the time. This is the reality. And so when you paint the picture of something that's actually disrespectful as it being the reality, that to me is minimalizing it and trivializing it as saying, well, this is probably not gonna change, so just accept it. This is part of real life, just accept it. This is part of being adult, just accept it. And the truth of the matter is, you should not have to accept disrespect. So if we wanna say that Britney Spears went through a disrespectful time in her life as a juvenile and we're comparing Kwame to Britney Spears, Mm -hmm. I think that we should also give that same grace to Kwame and say, hey, He was disrespected too. Just because he's not a Caucasian, young, teen pop star doesn't mean that he wasn't disrespected. Just because he's an athlete, Black, tall, 18 years old doesn't mean it's okay because we've normalized it as reality. And I think that's what I have an issue with because... Let me ask everything you this. that wait, everything that's reality. Wait
0: wait wait, 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 wait. Let me ask you this: When there was a, a, a visceral reaction to Little Nas X, mm-hmm. what did you think?
1: As far as the reaction, yes, with, the
0: reaction, the general reaction to it. When, when, he when he did, did what?
1: Now, it, when we're talking about this, the the like, video or the what?
0: The video, the video. That's it. That's the only thing that anybody cared about about Little Nas X in the past four months. What was your thoughts? What were your thoughts of the public reaction to that?
1: Um, I think that a lot of people live their lives by Christianity and religion, and they live their lives by
0: being in America. Um,
1: yes. I'll okay. talk about Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of Americans live their lives by the Bible, Christianity, religion, gay is wrong, heterosexuals, right? This is wrong. That is right. And so what he did was he knocked on all the doors that they didn't want to open. And he touched on every single thing that a Christian person would be against in that video. So it awakened a lot of hate. I don't agree with the hate. I don't necessarily- You think, wait, wait, you think he awakened the hate? I think that the images in the video awakened the hate. I'm not saying that he's he's the cause of it. I'm saying that the, the visual in the video awaken the hate of what a lot of religious people do not subscribe to.
0: So let's go back to the public reaction to that. So you, do you think it's OK that the public felt the way that they felt and said the kind of things that they said? No, no, not at all, because he got death threats, too. And he's an artist. So let's, let me be. And curious. he wasn't
1: doing anything wrong to anyone.
0: So it's just like, OK. He was already getting death threats and being called out of his name before that, which is why he actually made the video. That's why he made it. He was in reaction to it. So if we're drawing the parallels again to the Kwame Brown situation, there's this expectation that if you are this thing, Mm -hmm. this is how you need to act. This is how you need to behave. And it still hasn't, like I said, it still hasn't 100% changed, not for athletes, not for anybody. It's just one of those things that when you're a celebrity, you have to deal with. You have to deal with people's projections and expectations of you that are really ridiculous. But again, not saying it's right, but the reaction to Britney Spears' stuff is a little different. Britney Spears is literally doing things amongst herself, not worried about a thing that's happening outside of her. And yet people are judging her as a woman over that they're like, hey, you cut your hair, you're crazy. Hey, you went outside, you told the paparazzi to get away from you, you're insane, right? And so that's not even about what she's doing in relation to her work. It's not that. What we're seeing about Lil Nas X is that's in relation to his work. And they're like, what the work that you're putting out is not okay with us. It's it's unruly. It's not how things should be, blah, 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 blah. It's the same exact thing that Kwame Brown is getting yet, the general public by and large in America felt like he went way too far with all of it. He went way too far with the shoes, he went way too far with the video. He just went too far.
1: The one thing that I'll say in this in this Britney Britney Spears Kwame Brown situation, I can see the parallel that you make, but I also see how I would never compare these two people. Um Britney her her background her family background is completely different than Kwame's, so.
0: Yeah, people in general have different backgrounds, so.
1: Okay, so hear me out. So if I'm saying that people aren't judging her work, they're judging her her random actions, and people were judging her work too. They were saying that she was super sexy, she wasn't a good role model, this and this and that. They were judging all those things that encompass who she was. But if people were more so judging her personal actions and everything like that, And then you compare to Kwame where they're judging his work. This is a man who grew up in poverty. His life rides on this career that he has. So as an 18-year-old kid, 19-year-old kid, 20-year-old kid, when people are making disparaging comments about a career that you have and your whole life is riding on it, your family and, and how they live is riding on the money that you're bringing in, how you can support them. That is going to take a toll on you. That is going to take a serious emotional toll on you. And so I do think that the background of where you come from and what you're going through does affect how if someone's judging your career and this is all you got. This was his ticket out of Monk's corner.
0: You this was his. Wait, wait. You don't think Brittany grew up poor?
1: I, did she grow up poor? Up poor? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Doesn't mean anything.
1: I mean it, it it no it does mean something
0: but She was supposed to be the mill ticket.
1: She had a she had a father, she had a, a two-parent household.
0: Fair.
1: Who was Kwame raised by?
0: A whole bunch of nothing because his dad did some but who was he raised by? I'm not going in on that because clearly that's polarizing. Okay,
1: Charlemagne. I'm just I'm just asking you, do you know who he who he was raised by?
0: No, I don't care for I his... don't wait, wait, I want to be clear. I don't care for his story at all to that extent because that he has the same story mostly every single basketball player has. I'm, jo- I'm not, not joking. Mostly every single one of them have the same story. I so
1: understand, but we're sitting here and we're, we're comparing the way he reacted to something as if it's not okay for him to feel bad no, about but it.
0: I'm, compar- I'm not comparing them as people. I'm comparing public perception. That is why this, is, this there's parallels. Public perception is a real thing when you become a celebrity of any kind. Public perception still exists even to this day. It's just what you're, what the public tends to do behaviorally over time changes. And we're not at a stage now where we don't judge athletes. We, we judge athletes a different way. It's been the same way. It hasn't changed. I'm not saying it's right. I've already stated that. I'm not saying it's right. Yeah,
1: but you're also not calling any part of disrespect into into the play, too.
0: Because when you're a player and you don't play well amongst the other players, that is what they do. They say you're bad. They call you trash. They call you out of your name and regret in relation to the work that you're doing. That's do, you,
1: do you think that what Charlemagne said about him was disrespect? Or do you think that was just, oh, well, that's the reality.
0: Honestly, I really want to say this. Really look at what Charlemagne said. Did, did he actually disrespect him? Or did he just literally say, If I'm you, I wouldn't want that smoke with him, essentially. And here is his history. What Charlemagne did was open the door to family trauma in a way that he even had to give himself donkey the day the next day because he's like, yeah, probably isn't right to air out somebody else's dirty laundry. However, we're in the internet age. If anybody wants to find your dirty laundry, it's all out on the open. It's all out to see. It's out in the
1: open, but when you actively talk about it or point a light
0: to something that well, someone would uh,
1: probably wouldn't have googled anyway
0: hold on. was it him disrespecting kwame brown did he say anything about kwame brown directly that was disrespectful about him
1: i can see how kwame brown felt
0: disrespected from that comment but i'm, but I'm asking you a direct question did he say anything disrespectful about kwame brown it's all perception
1: it's not it's not it's not black or white it's not black or white No, you have to understand, because did you see Kwame Brown's response to him? Yes. And if you saw his response to him, and I'll let the people know just in case they didn't, the, the problem that what Charlemagne did is that it wasn't about Kwame. He was using his family as a reason to not mess with Kwame, as if they are not different people. And so to tag other people's misfortunes and other people's crimes and other people's a way of life to the person that they're related to was probably the disrespect that Kwame felt. And so that's what I'm saying is that Kwame felt like Charlemagne was bringing up the, the the horrible decisions that that people in his family, some of them he never met, had made, and he was applying it to the person that he thought Kwame was. And that's where the disrespect comes in. So I'm not saying that directly Charlemagne disrespected him, but I can see how someone can take that and feel like, bro, you don't even know me. I've been quiet for 20 years and you're already painting me out to be a violent individual based off of the actions of people in my family that I don't even talk to. And so that's what I'm talking about is that Kwame has never had a chance to paint his own narrative until now. And that's why I have no issue with what he is saying. Because he is giving us a chance to understand who he is, how he was raised, what he had to deal with. And that is real talk. That's just the way I feel about it.
0: I'm fine with that. But nobody knows you if you're not an athlete. People know you as an athlete. And if you're an athlete, it is what it is. I'm serious. When you're an athlete and that's what you're as. Oh,
1: I know. You're just a number. You're just you're, you're just, a, you're just a, a, a notch on the
0: bench. You're bad in your profession. Ultimately,
1: I said that was the reality that he's bad. I said that was the reality.
0: So I'm going to leave this alone, but that's my opinion. I think it was just the reality. And just like that, that is our show. I hope you all enjoyed that. Like, subscribe, comment wherever you can. Good night. Buenas noches.